Thanks for joining us here on the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit us at lightsandiego.com. Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Jesus. Happy week of Thanksgiving. Uh, every time around this year, I, I think about my childhood experience with Thanksgiving, and we would always uh, travel to Arizona. And my relatives had uh, this really amazing cabin in the woods of Arizona, just north of Phoenix. And we would go, and there would just be and 60 or 70 relatives, most of which I didn't remember their names, so we would still hug. We'd eat tons of food. We'd go on this hike down the creek. And I remember one uh, Thanksgiving in particular, after we hiked down to the waterfall and we'd climb up after his, um, since it was dried up and I'd climb back down. We're on our way back to the cabin and I fall off uh, down this hill right into this cactus bush. And all of a sudden, this, this holiday that I look forward to so much growing up to as a kid uh, was incredibly tainted because of these thorns that were sticking into my flesh. I remember going in and having my aunt, who was a doctor, and my mom just slowly pick out all of the thorns that were in me. Um, and uh, the reason I tell that story is that as we head into Thanksgiving, um, I've found myself, if I can be honest, uh, feeling this sense of the holidays being tainted uh, as we head to Thanksgiving, this, this sense in me that if I'm not careful, I can be so much more aware of the things that have frustrated me, let me down, uh, the things I don't understand, um, rather than realizing that this is actually an incredible moment uh, in our culture, in our time and space, to focus on the virtue of thanksgiving and thankfulness. And the Bible has a lot to say about this. More than this just being an American holiday, uh, this is a biblical principle. And when Paul writes this letter to the, to the church in Philippi, uh, keeping in mind that he's writing from prison, and as he writes this letter, it's filled with this reoccurring command to rejoice uh, to have joy. It's actually the, the Greek verb joy um, in the verb sense, but it's not a singular verb. It's a plural verb, meaning that this is f- given as a command to the community. And so a lot of theologians believe that this word that we see again and again to rejoice is better translated just celebrate. And so here's this guy under house arrest in prison writing to this church, reminding them again and again, rejoice, celebrate, have joy. Um, And as he's doing this, there comes this part in chapter 2 
When Paul's addressing this division that's happening in the midst of the church, this argument that seems to be going on, and he urges them to have the same attitude and mindset of Christ Jesus and gives this beautiful display of how Jesus gave us this example of humility and service and sacrifice, which ultimately led to his death and then resurrection, exaltation after he, after he ends this beautiful um, description of the person of Jesus. He says this in chapter 2, verse 14. He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on that day of Christ that I did not run and labor in vain. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, on the sacrifice and the service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. And so as we we come towards this moment um, where our society and our family will look towards this this theme of thanksgiving, um, know that there will also be equally an opportunity to find ourselves uh, grumbling and complaining. Now, keep in mind, this is different than lamenting or grieving. There is biblical space for that. But there's also a space in our heart that can just look like complaining and grumbling. And Paul's antidote to do this talks about rejoicing. And so he goes on in chapter 4, and he talks about that in our rejoicing, He says, listen, don't be anxious about anything. Give up this illusion of control. And instead, pray. Make your requests known to God. He says, do this with thanksgiving. So I wanted to give you just three themes found in Philippians chapter 4 that Paul hits on that I think help cultivate a thankful heart. And also, it's where thankful hearts lead to. So those three things are going to be communion, contentment and celebration. That word thanksgiving that it says here in Philippians chapter 4 is the Greek word eucharisto. And eucharisto is is thankfulness, is thanksgiving, but interestingly enough, in the Gospels we see this word show up three different times. It's when Jesus feeds the 5,000, Jesus feeds the 4,000, and when Jesus has the Last Supper, each time it says that he gave thanks to his Father, eucharisto. And so as he does this, this word uh, ended up becoming the, the Catholic word for Eucharist um, or the sacrament of breaking bread, of communion. And so every time we see this in the scripture, it's a reminder that the thankfulness that we are invited into oftentimes has, has imagery in the New Testament of breaking bread, of a feast, Um, It even says in 1 Corinthians, it talks about the actual cup that we drink from. It's called the Thanksgiving cup. And so uh, as we move into this week, some things that I love for our hearts to ponder when it comes to cultivating thankfulness in our heart, um, more than just a virtue, but really as an act of defiance against the, the cultural hopelessness that's wanting to place itself upon us that we would continue to be people that shine like stars in the universe, that know how to press into joy and press into thankfulness. And I think the really first part of that is communion. 
and understanding that communion is both an invitation that's vertical and horizontal, that we are united with Christ because of the sacrifice of Jesus. And also, it's around that table that we share on our brothers and sisters. And whatever Thanksgiving looks like for you, maybe your travel plans got canceled. Maybe for you, there's tension amongst your family. Uh, Maybe for you, Thanksgiving doesn't feel like the normal holiday it would. Uh, My encouragement to you is to realize this is more than a holiday. This is a key principle for followers of Jesus. It's a posture of our heart, first and foremost. So would you choose to press into the communion invitation of Jesus? To remember his body that was broken. To remember his blood that was shed. And that as we come to a table, whether that's metaphorical or whether it's literal, that we would remember not just the things that we've overcome in 2020, not just remembering the things that are going to be brought up, but ultimately this is an opportunity to remember the one who's called us to the Thanksgiving cup, to remember Jesus, what he's done for us. The second thing I would encourage us to do is in Philippians chapter 4, as it talks about this command to rejoice, to, to bring our petition and thankfulness, he starts to talk about this idea of contentment. In Philippians 4, 10 through 13, it says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to be in plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Um, that, that verse, Philippians 4.13, often uh, is quoted in uh, athletic circles or motivational speeches, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, and, and most of the time, uh, we forget that the context of that is contentment. That after Paul gives this a renewed command to rejoice. Actually, if, if you read Philippians 4, the beginning of it, it, Paul literally ends his letter. And then he's like, okay, one more thing. And the one more thing is rejoice, be thankful. And then in that, he says, listen, I, as I'm writing to you, um, know that I know what it's like to have plenty and I know what it's like to have nothing. And I've learned the secret of being content. I think one of Uh, the invitations that God would extend to us um, as we want to grow in our own thankfulness of our hearts is to remember the the virtue of contentment. Now, contentment is not not just trying to live in lack, but contentment is actually making the most of and making more of what we already have I heard this quote a few years ago that really bothered me personally. And this quote said, if you're not content right now, you never will be. Um, If I'm honest with you, I I still don't know what I think about that quote fully, but it was enough of a rock in my shoe uh, to get me to just start thinking, man, I have what I need right now to be content. And I think oftentimes... The, the lie is that I, I just need to wait for this next thing and then I'll be content. 
But what a week for us just to stop and just to say whatever, whatever is going on in our life, what are the things that we can see? Um, one of the reasons we're shooting this video at this lagoon is this is one of the places I go to on my Sabbath. Um, oftentimes I'll take my kids and we'll go on walks here. And one of the things that God has really begun to um, challenge me on is this idea of devouring versus delighting. We live in a culture that doesn't know how to be content, and so we devour more and more and more, thinking that at some point we'll have enough. But the, the scriptures invite us not to this materialistic, consumption-based life, and it also doesn't invite us into this stoic life that invites no happiness and no pleasure. What the scriptures invite us into is to delight to taste and to see that the Lord is good. Um, that's why once a week we're, we're commanded to Sabbath, to stop and to literally taste our food, to see the beauty of God around us, to laugh with friends, to stop from work, that we are not created just to devour, but we are created to delight. And so just in, in, in a practical sense, I, and so what I would encourage you in is rather than focus on having more or having less, whatever, wherever you're at right now, what could you find delight in? Maybe this looks like just go take a walk today. Don't take your headphones. Maybe don't even take your phone. And just go and listen and enjoy and, and smell and feel and delight in the goodness of God that's around you. Our lives can become so hurried and so pressurized and, and, and currently just feeling so uncertain that we forget that right now there is beauty and God's goodness around us. And that, why Paul, is he sitting in a prison cell, could write to this church. He's like, I, listen, I've had a ton and I've had nothing. He's currently in a season of nothing. He's like, I've learned the secret of being content. And this is why I believe from this secret, Paul continues to admonish the church in Philippi. Rejoice. You can have joy. There is an invitation that whatever you're going through, you can actually begin to partake within the gifts and the beauty that God has around you. Now, again, please hear me. This doesn't dismiss grief. It doesn't dismiss loss or lament. There is space for that. But I think oftentimes we... Even in the midst of that, we forget that there's still an opportunity to enjoy a good cup of coffee or conversation with a friend or diving into a really beautiful verse in scripture or turning on some worship music or sitting in silence or just being able to watch our children enjoy uh, life or calling your, your grandma and talking to her. I mean, there's so many things around us that God would invite us, invite us into. I love this quote um, from Richard Foster in his book, the celebration of disciplines he says if we think we will have joy only by praying and singing psalms we will be disillusioned but if we fill our lives with simple good things and constantly thank god for them we will be joyful that's it full of joy and what about our problems when we determine to dwell on the good and excellent things in life we will be so full of those things that they will tend to swallow up our problems. And so again, just an encouragement to you that we would just learn to delight in that. He, 
in Philippians 8 through 9, he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, and whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. This word think about in the Greek, um, logosomai, is literally the word keep account of, to examine, to, to look thoroughly through. And he just gives this list. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. I love it. Tim Keller says, because the world can be so filled with ugly things, it is imperative that we feed our souls with beauty. We have, we have this invitation to come into delight, to think about the things that are lovely and pure and noble, the things that has, God has given us. Now, it's interesting, psychologists talk about how negative thoughts are 10 times more powerful um, than positive ones. Negative comments are 10 times more powerful than positive ones. It's why oftentimes in our lives, we, think of, we end our day thinking about that one-off comment our coworker gave us. Or when, we, or when we show up the holidays, we remember the negative thing that was said last year at the last holiday gathering. Uh, there can be this propensity within us to dwell and to think about the things that are broken, things that are lost. And I think that Philippians 4 calls us back to, no, no, no. I've learned the secret of being content. Think about things that are beautiful and pure and lovely and noble. Keep account of those things. And lastly, um, I think the, the, the culminating theme here in chapter 4 um, is rejoice. It's just celebrate. Uh, this Greek word, karao, um, is, like I said, it's the verb of joy, like to joy yourself, or to, but it's in the communal sense. So how do you joy together? Well, we as a body of Christ, again, whether we can gather or not, we as a people, will choose to be people of joy. We will choose to press in to this incredible virtue. Um, I think it's interesting that um, oftentimes when we think about God, uh, we can tend to draw up imagery of someone who's serious or powerful or holy, um, but rarely do we just think about a joyful being. But there's a messianic psalm Um, Psalm 45, verse 7, that literally says, Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Um, New Living talks about you are more joyful than all of your companions. That there's something about the person of Jesus. By the way, this verse is quoted in the New Testament that we don't often understand that Jesus himself was filled with joy. He's literally part of his prayers. I pray that my joy would be in you, he says in John. He's accused of being a glutton and a drunkard. I mean, Jesus knew how to step into joy and maybe you're so exhausted and worn down because you have consumed so much negativity and and, and bad news and all these things that this just might be a time for you just to stop. And to choose to participate in communion with God and with others. To choose to be content in what's around you. And to choose to celebrate the goodness of God. And to step into that. Because this is part of us following Jesus. Is to take on his character. And Jesus was joyful. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. Peace. 
And so what an opportunity for us, just whatever is going on, it's not turning a blind eye, you're not sticking your head in the sand, it's just choosing, man. I, even if it's a little bit, I'm gonna step, take a step towards rejoicing, I'm gonna take a step towards contentment, I'm gonna take a step towards community and communion with my God. What an amazing opportunity to do this, not when everything's going well, but even in the midst of when it's not. Uh, last, last illustration I would love to leave you with is actually from the Bible. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, Israel is wandering in the desert and God gives them instructions on how to be the people of God. And in this, he gives them this command. And it's something I didn't learn until really a couple of years ago. I just want to read you one of the commands in Deuteronomy of the kind of God that we serve. In Deuteronomy 14, verse 22, it says, Be sure to set aside a tenth of all your fields produce each year. That would just be a tithe. Take a tithe of what you have. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and olive oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name. So this eventually would be Jerusalem. So that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. But in that place is too distant and you have been blessed by the Lord your God and you cannot carry your tithe because the place where the Lord will choose to put his name is so far away. Meaning like there's just so much that you have going on. It says, then exchange your tithe for silver and take the silver with you to go to the place the Lord your God will choose. Use the silver to buy whatever you like. Cattle, sheep, carne asada, wine, or other fermented drink, or anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. Whoever said the Old Testament was boring, right? I mean, here's God commanding Israel, says, listen, three times a year, I want you to stop and take what you've been working for and feast and rejoice. And and if you can't get to Jerusalem, then sell your tithe for silver. Go and buy whatever you want, it literally says, and take this, come and feast. Now, now hear me. We just talked about contentment. This is, this is, not the same ideology of just consumption and materialism, but rather this is a spiritual discipline of saying, you know what? There needs to be space in my heart, time in my week and my months to stop and delight in the goodness of God. And so just my encouragement to you pastorally this week is to to don't focus on maybe the uniqueness or even the awkwardness or the pain of how this holiday season might feel and focus on God's goodness that can be found even in the most trying of circumstances. Choose this week to practice communion. Literally, just break out bread and juice or wine and gather, whether it's with a roommate or family, whatever this looks like for you, and to remember the goodness of God. Remember that He has given us an eternal hope that supersedes anything that's going on. Second, how can you be thankful and be content for what you have right now? How can you delight in the simple things, the goodness of God? And then lastly, rejoice, celebrate, press into that spiritual discipline of joy and just know and believe and expect to meet God in that place. Father, we thank you so much that you are a God of joy. Lord, I pray that you just continue to help us 
become more like you in knowing how to rejoice and to celebrate. Lord, we love you so much. God, I pray that you would just be with us. God, be with everyone, Lord, specifically those who this, this may feel like a hard teaching. Um, and Lord, we just choose. Not only will we rejoice with those who rejoice, but God, help us to know when uh, we need to mourn with those who mourn. And Lord, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us here on the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit us at lightsandiego.com. 